1 Corinthians chapter 15. I want you to turn in your Bible there. I remember not long ago, somebody bought me something and uh, they couldn't find a receipt. Have you ever had something and you can't find a receipt for it and you want to take it back and they don't want to take it because you don't have a receipt? That happens all the time. You lose the receipt. What is a receipt? Receipt is the proof that you paid for something. It's the proof of purchase. So whenever you think about the resurrection, you say, what is the resurrection really? Jesus Christ coming back from the dead is our living, eternal receipt. Jesus Christ coming back from the dead is your proof of payment. It shows you that you had a payment made for you and the scars in his hands and in his feet and in his side is the stamp that certifies you have a payment in full. Jesus Christ is our proof of payment. He is our living, eternal receipt. And therefore, we should be thankful that Jesus Christ came back from the dead. Another good reason is for this. Jesus Christ, when he was here, he says, when you kill me, I will come back again from the dead. I will come back the third day. I will rise again. If Jesus did not come back again from the dead, then he was a liar. So Jesus coming back from the dead is to fulfill his word. You see, if he hadn't have done what he said he did, we have no reason to believe anything else he said. Why would we believe that he made a payment for our sins? Why would we believe that there is a heaven? Why would we believe he's coming back again? If he did not come back from the dead, we wouldn't have any reason to believe anything he talked about. So he coming back from the dead is the authenticity, it is the foundation of Christianity. We base everything upon the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So here in the book of 1 Corinthians in chapter 15, I want you to look there in verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. And I'll read verse 4. That he was buried, that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. This is a very interesting portion of Scripture. It is the outline for the rest of the whole chapter. A lot of verses in this chapter, up to verse 58. But when you read this, there's two things to keep in mind. It talks, one, about Jesus Christ coming from the dead. The other one, around verse 51, talks about Jesus Christ coming from heaven. So if you say, I believe one, but don't believe the other, well, wait a minute, it's the same chapter. It's talking about the same person. Jesus Christ came from the dead, and he's coming from heaven. But remember this. If he did not come from the dead, he ain't coming from heaven either. But if he did come from the dead, he is coming from heaven. Now, that's what this chapter is about. Another reason is this. In the book of 1 Corinthians were about 14 major problems 
They were having all kinds of problems in this church. I mean, from sex to alcohol, I mean, you name it, they were having a problem. All kinds of divisions in this church. I mean, this was one wild church. We say, how can we solve these problems? He says, one thing is you need to really believe and understand is that Christ came from the dead and that Christ is coming back. And in between his death on the cross and him coming back is a reason, a motive of why you and I should serve the Lord with all our heart. That's why in verse 58, the conclusion of the whole matter was, he says, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work. And if he did die and did pay for our sins, they're all paid and there's no more left to pay for. There's not one more sin to pay for. They're all paid, paid for all of them. He died once. He was buried once. He arose once to give unto you and I eternal life once and for all. So that when we trust Him as our Savior, He gives us eternal life. So He came back from the dead. Him coming back from the dead is the reason we're supposed to believe everything else that He taught because nobody could do this. And when He came back from the dead, He gave reasons of why we should believe it. He talked about the various ones that had saw Him after His resurrection. He talked about 500 at one time who saw Him after the resurrection. He told His disciples... Go into Galilee, and I'll meet with you. Now, whether or not they met in Galilee, and they knew he was coming, and over 500 brethren where he had his ministry came together, and they saw him. For 40 days, he dwelt among them, and they saw him. And they were convinced that Jesus Christ was alive. And Paul says, I, as one born out of due time, I also, I saw him. Now, Paul shouldn't say, I saw him, if he didn't see him. And if he did see him, it's okay for him to say, I saw him. And if he did see him, and it is true, Christ is alive. That means he can conquer death. It means that if he can come back from the dead and still be alive, then what do you and I got to worry about? See, all of our hope is based upon this truth. Christ came back from the dead. And he says, by which you are saved if you believe, not in vain. How can your faith be in vain? I thought if you believe, then you're saved, and how can you believe or how can you trust in vain? Only if Christ did not come back from the dead. If Christ did not come back from the dead and you trusted Him as your Savior, wouldn't that be in vain? Yes. There is no salvation if Christ didn't come back. He can't come back and get you if He's still dead. Because everything is based upon the fact that he said he was God and that this is the proof that you and I need. Evidence. Facts. You see, I wasn't there. And Christ says, Blessed are those who have seen and heard him for themselves. But he says, Blessed are they that believe and have never seen and never heard. I believe the record that was given. I've never seen Christ. I've never met any of the apostles. I wasn't there when all this took place. But enough evidence is given to convince me that I can believe it all. There are four major questions that are answered in the book of 1 Corinthians in chapter 15. One of those questions is this. Is there a resurrection? And the answer is yes. From verse 1 to verse 34, the question is, is there a resurrection? And he says, yes, there is a resurrection. 
so that when we trust Christ as our Savior, our faith is not in vain because he did come back from the dead. But what if he didn't? If there's no resurrection, then he didn't come back from the dead. And if he didn't come back from the dead, look what else. In verse 14, our Christ is not risen, our preaching is vain, and your faith is also vain. In other words, everything that I've been preaching for 40 years has no value to it. And everything you believed is of no value to it. It was all in vain. It was for nothing. And if there is no resurrection, the Bible says we are of all men most miserable because there's nothing to live for. There's no purpose in life. The atheists were right. Evolution is true. And if all that's true, then why have morality? Why have laws to govern anybody? Why not just do whatever you want to do? It doesn't really matter. Then lying is okay. Cheating is all right. Murder can be justified. Adultery can be okay. Abortion can be justified. Why? Just animals. But look what else he says here. In verse 17, And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain, and you are yet in your what? You're yet in your sins, and you are condemned, and you can't get free of your sins. And you will die like that. But what if it is true? Then it's the reverse of all of this. We don't have to be of all men most miserable. We can have fullness of joy here. We can enjoy a few of the pleasures of eternal things now. Because we believe that where we're going is a place called heaven and the pleasures of eternity. And fullness of joy in his presence. And that's what he says in this book. If all this is true. So that means that you and I have a reason for living. So is there a resurrection? I believe there is. I believe there's enough facts for it. The other question came up was, what are they going to be? These bodies. What are the bodies going to be like when they're resurrected? Well, there are several things that are mentioned here, and this is in verse 35. In verse 35 and down to verse 50, the Bible says in verse 42 that our bodies will be incorruptible. That means they will not be able to be subject to death ever again. Your new body you're going to get. In verse 43, says it's going to be a glorious body. In verse 43, also says it's going to be a powerful body. You realize the power that God has? And you are going to have a body that has power to it. Have you ever read and heard about some guys that, you know, they're very weak and so forth, but some kid gets pinned under a car, and all of a sudden a guy's got all this adrenaline that flows through him, and he can able to lift a car of several thousand pounds of it, and he goes back and he can't do it and wonders why. Well, there's things like that, but... Remember this, Samson, the strongest man in the world, by the power of the Holy Spirit living within him, look what he was able to do. And yet the Bible says that we're going to have a body just like the body of Jesus Christ. And the Bible says that when the doors were shut and the, all the windows and so forth, everything was closed in because the disciples were in an upper room scared for their lives. All of a sudden Christ appears in their midst. And when he was walking with the two on the road to Emmaus, and all of a sudden he appeared and started walking with them. And he disappeared right out of their sight. So the power of a body that can go through walls, and the power of a body that can appear and disappear, God says that's the kind of a body that you're going to get. Because the resurrection is true. You're going to get a body just like the Lord's. And so this is, means that we're going to have a spiritual body. Not a spirit body, but a spiritual body. A body that is designed to last forever. They make cars designed to break down the moment you make your last payment. And so you're going to get a 
body that will never break down. It'll last for all eternity in a new place. Now, if God said all of these things, and if He did come back from the dead, then everything else He says should be a piece of cake for you and I to believe. And if that's true, should it affect our lives here and now? Yes, it should. You say, why? Because He's coming back. If He's coming back again, well, then what's going to happen when He does? Well, there's another question that's asked. And that question is, what about the people that won't die? Look there in verse 51. In verse 51 says, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. That means that we will not all die. We shall all be changed. See, there's going to be a resurrection of people that die. But what about the people that don't die? You mean there's some people that won't die? Yes, it's called the rapture. It's when Christ comes in the air, and the Bible says that every person who has trusted Him as Savior will be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye, caught up to meet the Lord in the air. When He said, we shall not all sleep, means we will not all die, but will be changed. While I'm standing in this body, if the Lord came right now, I would be automatically, in the twinkling of an eye, changed, glorified, receive a, a body just like Christ, and caught up to meet the Lord in the air. Never see death. There is a generation of people living that will not physically ever die. I believe that's going to be my generation. I don't know if I'm going to be in that generation, but I believe it's my generation. I believe Christ is coming back in my lifetime. I hope that I, uh, I'm around when that happens, because I really, I'm not afraid to die. It's just that I've never done it before. And I would rather the Lord just change me and let me go to heaven, you know, without anything happening. I, I would prefer that. How many of you in here would prefer to go in the rapture? Let me see your hand. How many of y'all would prefer to go in the grave? Not a taker. Not a one. Look there in verse 52. In a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible. The dead shall be raised incorruptible. That's those who have already died. So they're going to have a body that's going to be changed. And we that are alive when Christ comes shall be changed. So did he come back from the dead? Yes, he did. If he came, he's coming back. But if he didn't come back from the dead, then he can't come back from heaven. Because how did he get there? So the Bible says he is coming back again. And when he comes back again, you and I are going to be changed. And we're going to be changed and fashioned like unto his glorious body. That's what God's going to do for us. And that's why he makes this statement here in verse 53. For this corruptible must put on incorruption. And it says, and this mortal shall put on immortality. That means people who are mortal, I'm a mortal person, means I'm subject to dying. Putting on immortality means I won't be subject to death. What a miraculous thing this is going to be. But all this is true. It's in the Word of God. And all of this is based upon whether or not do we really believe He came back bodily from the grave. Him coming back from the dead was the acceptance of a payment that He made. And God in heaven was satisfied with that payment. He is a living, eternal receipt that our sins have been paid for. And that's why from now on, even while I live, and you live, and we still sin, we have a receipt that says, paid in full. Christ is my payment. He did that for me. 
I don't deserve to go to heaven, but he loves me that much that he paid for my sins, and I'll go to heaven on what he did for me. Let me just show you this very quickly. This hand represents you and me, and this wallet represents sin. Now, we all have sin on us. God loves us, hates our sin, and the reason is because our sin separates us from God. This hand represents Jesus Christ. See, we're separated from him. So the Bible says that if we pay for the sin, it's eternal separation from him. But God loves us and wants us to go to heaven. To go to heaven, we have to be perfect, as righteous as God, and no one's perfect. No one is righteous as God. So how can we get to heaven? Well, we can't. We need a Savior. Man cannot save himself. He has no hope. That's why, see, it's not according to your good deeds. It's not because you went to church and you changed your life and you stopped sins in your life. You can change everything you want to. Try not to sin from this day forward. That ain't going to get you to heaven. You see, you've already sinned. You're already condemned. He that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. That means he has not trusted Christ. If you don't trust him, you don't go. But this hand represents Jesus Christ, God in the flesh. He came into this world because he loves you and me. He hates our sin because our sin separates us from him. So Christ took the sin, paid for it on the cross, came back from the dead. Our sins are paid. The resurrection of Christ is what we look to as the proof that everything he ever taught, that it's all true. Because we know no man can come back from the dead. Nobody can do that. Nobody's ever done that but him. And then he was able to be seen by over 500 at one time. And that's why the resurrection of Christ is so important to Christianity. And we believe that because that happened and that was true, everything else he said is true. So how can this affect my life? What kind of an impact should this do to me? What's the value of this doctrine? This doctrine of him coming from the dead and coming back again. Because I'm caught in between. I look back to his death on what he did for me. I look forward to him coming again. And I believe that this doctrine is to help me now. I don't have to fear death. I don't have to be afraid. I believe that the greatest enemies in the world, whether it's the sins of the flesh, of the devil, of the world, and death itself, Christ, when he was here, conquered all of it and said he would help me face every problem, every trial, every temptation, all the world, all the devil, and all of his angels, and everything, and can give me victory in my life. Because Christ did it. He said he would give me power in my life. To help me live the way I should live. He has done that. I don't live like I used to live. I don't think the way I used to think. God has changed me. He has done a wonderful work in my life. And I believe that. But now also, if he is coming again because that is true, then that means that when he comes and I disappear here, I will appear at the judgment seat of Christ. And if I'm going to appear at the judgment seat of Christ, that is a rewarding stand. The rewarding stand, it, that doesn't determine your destination. You're already in heaven. That's to determine the rewards that you will get for all eternity. In other words, God is going to bless you. He's going to give you praise, honor, and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. If all of that is true, and he says that he will not allow anything to come upon you in your life here greater than what you can stand that you can't have victory 
And He will make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. That all things work together for good to those who love the Lord, to those who are called according to His purpose. So I know that I'm going to be in heaven, and I know I'm going to stand at the judgment seat of Christ, and I know that God's going to reward me, or I'm going to suffer the loss of what I could have had. If all of that is true, then I also know that when He comes back to the earth to rule upon this earth, He said, if I serve Him, I will rule and reign with Him. Now, I don't know what all that entails. I don't have to know. All I know is He promised. He promised. He gave His Word. And this is the only time that I've got to live to demonstrate I believe it all by how I live. You see, some people say, well, I have faith. Show me your faith without your works. And I'll show you my faith by my works. Because I believe all of that. I believe it should change my life. If you say, I believe it too, but it doesn't change your life, you don't believe it. Every man lives according to his beliefs, according to his theology. If you really believe Christ is coming back and can come back soon and can come back today, it'll make a difference on how you think and how you live. So should there be a doctrine that can help us poor dilapidated old souls down here to face life? Give us a reason for living? I think so. And the Bible calls it having this victory. See there in verse 57. Verse 57. He says, But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And He can't give you victory if He's dead. He gives you victory because He came back from the dead and He is alive, alive forevermore. And now look in verse 58. Verse 58 is an awesome verse. If you don't have it underlined, you ought to underline this verse in your Bible. It's the conclusion of everything that's been said in this whole chapter. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Now let me ask you this. Are you in the work of the Lord? Every person who trusts Christ as Savior is in the work of the Lord. Now you may not work too good. You may be a pitiful laborer. But you're in the work of the Lord. You, every person, is to be in full-time Christian work. You may be a housewife. That's full-time Christian work. You work on a job. You work under somebody. You're still full-time Christian work. Because it means that you're working for God full-time wherever you are and whatever you're doing. You say, well, the preacher's the one that's in full-time Christian work. No, the missionary. So are you. Every person is to be in full-time Christian work. You're working for God full-time. And God's going to reward you for what kind of a mother you are, for what kind of a child you are, for what kind of a father you are, what kind of a labor you are, how you make your money, how you save your money, how you spend your money, how you think, everything about your life, full time. God's concerned about every area of your life you're to do right. There's no time when you say, well, I'll just give God 10%, so I'm not full time. No, every person is to be in full time Christian work for the Lord. You're just in a different place. But he says, always be steadfast, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Now look at the last part of the verse. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. For as much as you know means you're going to labor according to how you understand this great truth, this teaching that he just spoke about. If you really believe all of this, it'll change your life. Now, if you say, well, I can take it or leave it, it don't really matter, and you don't dwell on it, you don't really meditate upon what God is saying and the impact that this can have in your life, now you're going to have a haphazard life, slipshod, 
You'll be unfaithful, undisciplined. Go to church once in a while or you'll give a little bit here and there. But you not, no, 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 no. You won't be fully dedicated to God. And every Christian should be. And the reason is because it's all true. It's not in vain. You did not trust him in vain because he did come back. You see, you trusted him in vain if he's dead. So your faith is not in vain when you trust Christ. And if your faith in the Lord is not in vain, then your labor is not in vain. Your sacrifices are not in vain. Your discipline is not in vain. It's all worth it. You ever heard that song, It Will Be Worth It All? It will be. So you may go through a lot of things down here. Don't get mad. Don't get bitter or anything like that. Not at God. Always stay faithful. Always keep serving God all the days of your life. Don't stop. Don't quit. Don't change. Keep growing in the Lord. And much more as you see the day approaching that Christ could come back. Be more faithful. Cram for exams. Look up here one more time. This, you and me, this sin. We have sin on us. This is Christ. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, Christ. That whosoever, anybody, whosoever believeth in him, believe that he did it for them, should not perish but have everlasting life. Simple verse. This is God. This is people who believe that you're saved by your good works. And so they think they have to get a good grip on God and they think they're going to go to heaven because they join the church or give money or pray, do all these good deeds. And as long as they hang on and do their best, they're going to heaven. But if they do anything wrong, start slipping away and start sinning in their life, now they're going to hell. Got to get saved again. And then if they do something wrong, they're going to lose their salvation. Now they're going to hell. Now they've got to get saved again. You see, that's because, see, their salvation depends on how strong they are, how good they are, their do's and don'ts. And God says, that's not salvation. That ain't worth a quarter. If you could save yourself, then what do you need Christ for? You don't. So God says, if you will trust Him, He saves you. See any difference? He has me. He said, He will never cast me out. He said, He'll never lose me. He said, no man can pluck you out of his hand. See, I'm going to heaven. Why? Because he is taking me to heaven. I'm trusting him to save me. He says he won't let me go to hell. He says he's taking me to heaven and he gives me everlasting life. And I'll never cast you out and never lose you. And he that believeth in me hath everlasting life. Because you see, my going to heaven depends upon him, not me. That's how I know I'm going to heaven. Not because I do anything good. And all the bad that I can do can't send me to hell. So you're looking at an individual that cannot go to hell. You say, well, because you think you're so good? Because I believe he is God and he keeps his word. See, he came back from the dead and all of it's true. All of it's true. And so once you trust Christ as your Savior, he gives you what kind of life? Eternal life. And if it's eternal life, how long does it last? Forever. If it lasts forever and all your sins are paid, where are you going to go when you die? Can you know you're going to heaven when you die? You don't have to wait till you die to find out, do you? No. You can know it right now.